The following discussion is based on real-life experiences. Audience discretion is advised. Ang susunod na talakayan ay hango sa mga tunay na karanasan. Mapanuring pakikinig ang kailangan. Hi everyone, I am Randall. I am from Manila, Philippines and I am a physiotherapist. Hi everyone, I'm Isabel from Mandaluyong, Philippines and I am a physiotherapist. Hi everyone, I am Jericho Camus and I am from Quezon City, Philippines and I am a physiotherapist. Hi everyone, I'm Patricia and I'm from Davao City and I'm a physiotherapist. Welcome to PhysioDocs. For this episode, we are going to talk about autonomy. So to help us have a deeper understanding to possibly have it in the future, we brought in a fellow Kababayan who's working as a physiotherapist in the US. He is Andre Altavas. Hey Andre! Thank you for inviting me to your show. Sure. Um... So we're happy to have you here. When you started being a PT here in the Philippines, what made you decide to transfer in the U.S.? I went to PT school back in the 90s. And uh, during that time, the uh, PT profession was uh, really in demand here in the U.S. Um, I guess one of the reasons why I took PT in the first place was I, I uh, flunked trigonometry in uh, management school. So I. Uh, you know, I shifted to uh, to the BSPT uh, uh, program, and I uh, graduated in Cebu, uh, from Southwestern University here. Um, and um, I graduated in 1996, uh, and but I uh, did not uh, move to the U.S. or until three, four years later. Uh, I was able, was lucky enough to uh, be in. Uh, to be sponsored by a uh, company based in Michigan, and uh, that's where I started. Um, I did uh, my first two years uh, doing home health, this uh, PT, and after that, I um, moved to a, a skilled nursing facility and, and worked there for uh, for a year and two. Uh, and then um, I uh, saw that my passion was more in outpatient, in uh, more in orthopedics, and I started uh, practicing in an outpatient setting. For a number of years until um, until today, uh, I'm uh, fortunately uh, able to uh, you know to really uh, practice the profession to the best of my ability and uh, you know and then I know the topic would be more of autonomy. Uh, we are uh, enjoying autonomous practice uh, primarily here. I I work here in the state of Florida where we have direct access. Um, you know, direct access is, uh, um, it, it varies from state to state. In the state of Florida, we're allowed to see a patient without a medical referral for 30 days. And uh, after which, you know, if, uh, if treatment needs to be extended, they need to see a, uh, a primary care physician. Um, but yes, uh, thank you for, um, for that question. Uh, that's a little bit of, uh, of my background. Uh, in my practice here. Oh, so before you transferred, you're doing a different course. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> okay. So there came a time pala na the PT course was, is booming. 
As parang kasi when I was studying, I I remember it was this this was the early 2000s na it's the nursing courses which is booming in demand siya nung time na yun. I was try I I'm thinking of taking the nursing course kaso my interest shifted to PT because well I was in I was so much ano uh, into wrestling before so one of my silly dreams was ano to become a physiotherapist of the WWE. Yeah, same. <laughs> that was one of my wildest dreams. Uh, I hope I, I well that's why siguro I, I, I my career steered into sports. Mm. Yeah, ito na ako ngayon. <laughs> Six years later uh, of licensure and yes, here I am. <laughs> All right, so it's coming hot on this topic. Well, What do you think about having an autonomous practice here in the Philippines? I know that he there in the state, you are o- already having direct access and an autonomous practice. Who wants to talk about a little background about physical therapy and what's going on right now? Well, this is going to be for the benefit of some listeners who are not PTs or who happen to belong in the same medical field as we are but do not know what the process actually is. Okay, so to define physical therapy, I think uh, we can refer to what the World Confederate of Physical Therapists um, displays or shows what PT is and that we are people who help anyone at any stage of life where movement and function are threatened by aging, injury, or disorder, or any condition that uh, ultimately threatens movement and function. So therefore, we are considered to be movement specialists, and therefore, we help maximize current function, again, at any level or at any stage of our clients. I guess currently in our practice today, Uh, here in the Philippines, we help in the rehabilitation teams with um, rehab doctors or physicians who refer us these patients who have these specific complaints. And ayun, so we help maximize their function depending on their goals and their current stage of their condition. That was a formal definition, but it just covered everything so that I, I have nothing else to add. Okay. So the usual process of how we get patients is person feels something like a pain or ache or, or anything or it could be an emergency case then they see a doctor and the usual doctors that we get patients from are orthopedic surgeons and rehab doctors some gps actually send patients to us but mostly the first two that i mentioned And then what happens is there are some doctors that would give specific things to do, like modalities, meaning hot packs, ultrasound, hands, cold compress, or other modalities. And then they also have us do manual work, like mobilization, stretching, then to the exercises. And then there are other doctors that give just the focus of, for example, For knee pain, strengthen quads, strengthen the BMOs, stretch the IPB, something along those lines. And for those doctors, they leave it to us EPs to do a certain management to go towards that goal. 
and it could differ from one PT to another. All right, let's come in hot on this topic. Well, what do you think about having an autonomous practice here in the Philippines? I know that he there in the states. You are already having direct access and an autonomous practice. What year did you transfer there in the US? And then what differences have you experienced all throughout these years? I moved to the States in 2001. So I didn't, I didn't get into the outpatient setting until uh, 2006. Uh, and uh, I guess it's, I, I'd like to point out that uh, we, since we're talking about direct access, it all depends on the setting also, your clinical setting. I think you, most PTs who enjoy the direct access setting are mostly in an outpatient facility. Those who are in private practice, so those who are independent owners uh, of their clinic. You know, if you work in a nursing home or doing home health, um, you know, technically you, you still get the uh, referral uh, from the medical doctor on the, basically on your patient, on the case of your patient. Uh, but the, you still enjoy the, the autonomy of uh, the technical side. So you're allowed to, to do whatever you want to do uh, and uh, what, whatever is appropriate and uh, right for the patient. So we, you don't have a written plan of care outlining the therapeutic aspects of it, but the, you do have the technical autonomy, which is again, one of the aspects of professional autonomy. Uh, but again, I think the the most PTs who uh, enjoy that direct access in autonomous practice is are, are those who are uh, in a private setting, in an outpatient setting. Oh, uh, actually, I, I have a question, uh, Andre. Um, from your experience, uh, how would you say? Um, from your experience, how would you say direct access is? In in general, is it is it good or is it bad? Like just the positives and the negatives of, of your own personal experience there in the U.S.? Uh, having direct access uh, basically means that you uh, do not need a, a medical referral to initiate care. You uh, can see patients um, directly or patients can seek your services as a PT directly. Uh, and that's basically the, the entire definition of direct access. But there are, uh, again, here in the U.S., there are uh, each state uh, has their own laws and uh, on direct access. I can only give you an example of how it is here in, in the state of Florida where I practice. Uh, the direct access uh, laws allow us to see or patients to see us or, or seek our services uh, without the medical referral for uh, 30 days. Now, um, assuming there are there are also provisions for that. Um, you do an evaluation, and if you determine that patients uh, are candidates for, for a physical therapy program, then you keep them. If they are, if they present uh, with a with conditions that are not under your scope of practice, then you need to refer them out. Uh, so technically, that's uh, how the direct access provision uh, operates uh, here in the state of Florida. And I believe uh, it is almost the same in, in, in most states around, uh, all the states in the U.S. now. And uh, it, all, it only varies by the, maybe the duration of treatment, frequency, things like that. Um, but yes, and that, is, that would be the, the definition of direct access. Okay, I have, Andre, I have a question. So with regards to practicing um, with autonomy or with direct access, how has it 
changed you as a physical therapist or how from what you've learned in the Philippines onto being able to go there and practice direct access how has it evolved or how has it changed your perspective on treating patients as a physical therapist yes uh the um, yeah it, it definitely a big change um and uh, i really can say how it is currently in the philippines uh, i only get reports of of uh from colleagues friends uh, uh telling me that this is how the practice is in the philippines i mean just go just looking at how where i have been uh and this was back in the late 90s up to the early 2000 where um you know you still get the uh, uh you you are technically more like technicians uh, in a clinic um, and following the orders of the doctor, things like that. Um, and uh, when you get to the, the U.S., uh, it changes, uh, dr- dramatically changes as far as uh, uh, your, uh, as far as your independence, I'd say. Okay, your confidence uh, improves. It also improves in terms of, of your ability to make clinical decisions on your own without uh, any supervision uh, and uh, I would probably not have you know reached that point where if I didn't do any continuing education or maybe clinical clinical specialization I would say the how we need to get there it all goes down to what you can achieve post-professionally uh, and um, again that, that could include any kind of educational activity to improve your uh, your skills, your reasoning, your knowledge, and everything. Uh, so it did. It did change the the way I practice. It's it's very liberating, I'd say. Um, being able to uh, just do whatever you want to do, um, as far as your patient and management, uh, you you uh, you manage them well without any supervision. And um, I think it's it's very rewarding. It's a rewarding experience when when patients improve out of your own accord. <laughs> I'd say. Uh, not uh, because of uh, another practitioner telling you what to do. That's the, I'd say, the rewarding part of uh, being in uh, autonomous practice and practicing in a direct access setting. And I'd say, I think uh, we should all should keep in mind that these two uh, concepts are, are actually, they're, they're different, but they, they complement each other. Uh, being a, an autonomous provider and having direct access um, so the direct access would be more of a, a law that's passed uh, governing your practice. Uh, autonomy is entirely different, but uh, again, I think we, we all, all of us as PPs all deserve to have professional autonomy uh, because we have our own identity. It's it's interesting, and I, I you know, again, I can share uh, a lot of uh, these resources uh, uh, to PPs, whoever is interested, um, you know, this, in some email addresses and things like that um, and you know I send out a lot of articles supporting you know, professional autonomy and just to you know just to give everyone an understanding what it is and what our role is as a PT practicing in in the Philippines uh, I think as a nation we're uh, I think yes I agree with Randall um, which you mentioned earlier that uh, I think we you know, we have the foundation. Um, the question of whether we're prepared uh, is a different thing. You know, it involves a lot of different aspects of, of it. It is something we need to to aspire, and uh, it, it, it is something we need to aspire and have a goal uh, again as a profession. Andre, you, you put out like a lot of 
great points regarding the practice and a very very good like insight on like how practice is there in the US. Currently here in the Philippines how we or in my opinion how we understand the current situation regarding the PT practice is that there are still referrals from the doctors. Uh, I'm not really sure how it was back then but currently in regarding with the doctors that I um, I have the pleasure to work with uh, we usually have a conversation which is really good because the amount of autonomy I guess depends on sorry autonomy in the sense that of, of your individual skill in treating the patient um, I think the the level of autonomy in treatment depends on how much you want to collaborate with the doctor that you're working with it, it depends on the patient that they refer to you and the open-mindedness of that doctor which i think is a good thing in the sense that there are more doctors that are coming out to be more open-minded and are interested for what we have to say um, the thing is people are becoming more vocal in the sense of pt I, i mean i guess like the point that we're having this conversation about autonomy is like it's really good because we are steering the profession towards something more uh, more of something about the profession that we can uplift it you know just because we want more prestige with the profession and and that just having that healthy conversation with the doctors that you work with here um, generally because the referrals tend to say that your treatment should be focused more on strengthening a specific muscle or gaining the mobility of something of like of a joint or a specific movement i guess that right now in this current practice is how we can have some degree of autonomy just because of the generality of that order or that um, recommendation we can be more creative or we can be more innovative of how we actually do those things as opposed to other referrals that i've had experiences also which directly tells you like what which specific exercises Um, which sometimes you would have your own reservations, especially with, um, again, with my experience, especially back pain, it tends to have a general flow or a general um, pattern to what you should do with certain back pain. But as you know, as further studies show, there are certain types of back pain, certain movements that are that we are biased with. So sometimes, of course, like you said, Um, it ends up if we just keep on following those specific orders, we tend to be more of um, technicians, just just doing the exercises that we're we're told to. But what I'm saying is like there are ten are willing to work with like-minded PTs, very into having these conversations, discussing patient progression, patient current status, and what have you. So, in terms of autonomy, I think realistically that's how we. We have that book around, you know, just talking with the doctors here. But what do you guys think with your with your experiences here in the Philippines? Yeah, I have to agree with with Jericho that there are more and more doctors now who, um, what's the word, acknowledge that we are working hand in hand, and they are not someone who will just order and give the the prescription, and that they trust and see that. We may be seeing more things since we see the patient an hour and see them less than an hour, and then they're open to conversation and discussion. That okay, um, 
this is what he saw, and then he, the patient goes to PT, and then the PT sees additional things and can report back to him or discuss what can be modified plan. And thankfully, I've I've had the opportunity to work with doctors who have that way of thinking. And it's um, Jericho is right in terms of the sense of autonomy that we hear and. Um, like what Andrew was saying a while ago, that it's um, fulfilling to be able to do that in that sense, but not in the totality of ikaw na bahala yung kung gagawin mo. So yeah. Yeah, if I may just add to what Isabel just said, it's it's great in the sense that just having that conversation, and then for example, you have certain findings with a patient and certain inclinations towards what program that you want to do with that, regarding with that patient. And then that doctor validates you. I guess just that back and forth with the with a healthy conversation of regarding the patient is is good in terms of validate for the past five years and the experiences that followed after. Right? So just having that really boosts your your confidence in actually treating the patient. Because at the end of the day, they are referred for PT. And you need to be confident enough. That you have enough knowledge and skill to actually treat this patient effectively. Kind of just having that that safe space with the doctor is is really is really healthy. While at the same time, I think again, in my opinion, if we don't have that conversation and we don't have that at least that level of autonomy in terms of treating the patient, Shempre, the negatives will show. If you're not that validated, you think because you are following the law and you are following these orders given by the doctor, you are very dependent on what the doctor would think. And therefore, it will limit on how creative you will be with your exercises and at the same time, not have that sense of responsibility in the sense that these exercises will actually work for the patient. Because it's hard point no fingers. Eh. Because these, this is, again, in my opinion, this is a referral system where these are exercises given by the doctor. So, of course, sometimes we would opt, we would opt to just do the bare minimum and do these exercises, regardless if it will work or not. So sometimes assessment is much less. Um, actually understanding this specific patient in front of you is, uh, is much less of a concern rather than just performing all the exercises given by this doctor. So I think that's why it's good that we're having this conversation about autonomy, just to have people think about, um, just to look at ourselves and think like, how, are, how committed am I to the profession that I'm involving myself with this experience with the patient? Um, but what, what do you guys think? Um, Trisha, what do you think? I actually completely agree with Jericho on that. Like, and Andre, when you guys were mentioning that once you have that um, sense of autonomy, even just like for now, that giving strengthening exercises and you formulating what exercises or what things you can do for your patient gives you a boost and it validates all that you've been through as a student and even as a professional. And having that somehow gives you a sense of responsibility since, you know, you have to be more efficient with the exercises you're prescribing or the treatment that you are giving compared to just being told what to do or 
in my opinion, it just makes you go about your job. In my opinion, some could go the extra mile and do that, but some referring doctors aren't as open to being able to modify the treatment plan that they give, which in return just makes the PP follow. And there's not much sense of responsibility. And so people just tend to become passive about, you know, their job, which doesn't feel as fulfilling as, you know, being able to be to take responsibility. And it would also, like, as with Jericho said, it would be easier to point fingers. Um, I guess this is a really, I think I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, cite this, um, this key elements. Um, and I think this, uh, this, the five key elements, this was really taken from a, an article that was published in 2005 by Johnson and Abrams. Um, it is basically what they, this is, this was more of an editorial. The, uh, they looked at the five key elements uh, in the process of PT autonomy and direct access in the United States. And I think this, out of the five elements, there are, there are actually three that are very important. Number one is elevate entry-level educational preparedness. Um, now this really goes into the fact that, okay, our entry-level PT program in the Philippines is still a bachelor's. Now uh, the question whether the staff give us this, that gives us the profession a, a, a better um, a position to, to request or to, uh, to request or to ask for autonomy. The second element would be expanding knowledge and expertise, skills and confidence. So you would normally get this from post-professional courses, programs, and not just courses. Um, you know, as an educator, um, uh, under I, I, I manage a, a continuing education um, uh, provider in the Philippines called Physical Therapy Advancement Seminars. Um, we, we offer, a, a, it's more of a certificate program Okay, and, uh, and the, I believe a, a, a planned, a certificate program involves modules and each module builds up on your clinical reasoning, your skills, uh, again, and knowledge. Uh, unlike any, unlike a standalone course where you basically just sit in class, listen, look at the slides, lectures, and maybe practice a few skills and then you never get tested. Okay, so um, I... Uh, you know, we have a different approach to, to post-professional uh, education. It's really more of a uh, the uh, building up of courses and to up to a point where you get tested to uh, for your skills and even your your clinical reasoning. Uh, and uh, the third element that 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 is important is through these post-professional training activities. We also meet the expectations of physicians uh, and other providers on PT services. And uh, I guess what uh, you, um, I think Jericho mentioned um, on, on maybe a lot of the pro- medical providers, I'd say more psychiatrists who are, uh, who di- usually are the heads of the rehab departments and dictating plan of cares. Uh, and I agree with you when you said that um, um, younger doctors are now recognizing our expertise as a profession, uh, unlike maybe those who have been in, in, in the profession for a long time. Uh, in fact, I, uh, uh, I actually ha- I have a cousin who's a uh, uh, physiatrist uh, who works in an Asian hospital, medical center. Uh, whoever works there, I know you 
uh, I won't name her, but anyway, we, we have uh, usually have conversations on this. Uh, and she's, she's actually just, uh, I would say, two or three years older than I am. Um, and so she's young, basically. Um, uh, we're not that old yet, but we're young. But she's uh, one of those uh, physiatrists who actually has a, have a very high regard for PTs. And I think uh, they have a higher regard for PTs when they know how our profession has evolved over the last, maybe say, 20 years. A lot of the older, um, like medical doctors, um, I mean, that's they don't know how the our profession has evolved internationally. I mean, they look at maybe just our training back home. You know, you graduate with a with a bachelor's of science degree in physical therapy. You know, you're a new grad. You you, you get to the clinics. You're during your clinical internship experience. You never get exposed to really the uh, the technical uh, side of it or the technical autonomy size the side of the of the practice because you just, as interns you still follow whatever your clinical instructor tells you or or you maybe sit in an evaluation and still follow whatever the plan of care is so that's that continues on when the pt graduates from school until they have an opportunity to train or to take uh, post-professional courses leading into a specialized area of practice, uh, and I think that would that would be a, a, a direction for us. Or, you know, as far as your, as far as every graduate, every PT graduate uh, should have when they on their first day of, of uh, practice as a licensed PT, uh, they should invest in training. They should invest in courses leading to specialized care, and they owe it to themselves and they owe it to the profession. That's the only way we can we can have a we can start having a conversation uh, with the with the doctors uh, to whom you work for, uh, and they see you, they probably observe you, and you bring up certain points during uh, a patient uh, visit, and they uh, they and then they start uh, they start to realize, okay, well, uh, this pretty knows what she's saying, or this pretty knows what she's what she's doing, and that's a start, and. Uh, we can only achieve that through, again, through post-professional learning. Everything that we learn in school, as far as uh, level of preparedness, it, it, we're doing a great job. You know, we're, we're using, um, based on my, again, my limited knowledge on, on the current um, uh, educational system now, uh, but I guess it's still probably the same since uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago when I graduated. But I think we're getting there. We have more research uh, courses involved, our, our uh, research subjects and 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 again um, evidence-based practice. Uh, there are a few studies, you know, I gathered uh, through the years of, of just looking into this in this whole uh, professional autonomy and how, as a PT working abroad, how I can maybe share uh, what I know to PTs back home. Uh, there are again, there are several studies out there, not very many that just looks into our educational preparedness. Uh, what are students learning uh, in evidence-based PT practice or how many schools are actually teaching it in their program? Uh, so there's so many things. And uh, uh, interestingly, there's a there's also a study just that came out just, I guess, a year ago, maybe I think, uh, it's by two of the professors from UP, uh, Camp Nock. I think it's from, uh, it was uh, from, uh, 
Rotor and, and Capio, uh, I think, and they did a qualitative study on uh, an clinical reasoning of PTs. And it, uh, it, it answers what we already know, um, that the PTs are still bound by the authority of the doctor as far as, um, you know, clinical decisions. Now, as far as maybe the sample they got, we don't know. Um, uh, I didn't really go into that in detail, but uh, future studies, I guess, future studies on that would most likely be more of comparing a PT who has post-professional, you know, experience um, or some kind of clinical specialization, and from a PT who does not have uh, that level of uh, um, of education post-professionally. So that would be an interesting study. Uh, maybe maybe later on, if some of, if anyone cares to actually run the study, <laughs> but that would be one of them. So I hope that uh, again gives a uh, a little bit more of uh, uh, you know the background of things and, and uh, what we need to do. Yeah, just to uh, sort of piggyback on what you mentioned, what you just mentioned, Andre, about us needing post-professional education. I actually honestly was one of the people who was very frustrated by the fact that we needed to take extra more years of studying before. <laughs> and then I was uh, talking to one of my, this is one of my uh, former players who her mom is actually a PT in the States now and she wants to take PT as well. And then I was um, I was expressing my frustrations and she said that you shouldn't be frustrated. It's just that the the profession is leveling up and she compared it to lawyers that people have to take pre-law and then the four years of law, the law degree in order to be a lawyer and they have this certain level of trust in society that okay they can do their jobs well enough and that kind of opened my eyes actually this was i think two years after i graduated that totally opened my eyes into thinking okay yes i think you're right <laughs> in terms of i need to we all need to, to invest in postgraduate studies and but then to be honest it's it's expensive so but definitely something worth investing in yeah what do you guys think about that uh if i can chime in that's actually pretty interesting that you mentioned that it is expensive and i think it's it's something serious in the sense that definitely these courses have to be expensive because you are investing into a skill that you're going to be using for a while, you know, for the profession. But what I think is a bit frustrating is that the current, uh, again, in my opinion and in my researches, that the average salary or base starting here in the Philippines is around 8,000 to 10,000 pesos. So given that, given those numbers, and some who are in the senior level uh, achieves around probably 20,000 25,000 cap and I think that that plays a major role given that there is a, a, a standard of living that you want to maintain you know this is a job for sure but life still goes on and that if you do have that kind of base salary I think 
it affects us as professionals as it definitely makes it more difficult or at least incentivize us seeking other educational resources definitely like certification courses you know postgrad courses these things cost a certain amount and that because of that current situation of us not having that high of a salary as opposed to popular opinion that you know PTs are paid really high here in the Philippines um, we're not so just because of that fact I think um, it's really difficult for anyone to to have that incentive to seek further education you know to further our knowledge and our skill with the profession and so it, I think it becomes a cycle so we just okay, we're going to do the bare minimum. We're going to just follow the orders, you know, um, probably do more home care on the side just to have enough money to to buy or do the things that we like. But at the same time, it we don't really one-up ourselves in the sense of, of our skill, of our knowledge after graduating from, from school. But again, that's my opinion. But what do you guys think about that? I also want to add on what Jericho said, sorry, and maybe that's why people um, remember the CPD law that was passed, and that's why there were a lot of negative um, negative responses about it, is because of the bare minimum pay of physical therapists in the Philippines, and that's why, I guess, being able to up your game would really... Uh, would really require you to also work more to be able to just enroll yourself in certification courses and in seminars. And this, although the although the CPD requirement by the PRC was a good thing, but I believe that people are just going to be enrolling in different things just to comply with that requirement. And also, it's sad because you can be the jack of all trades but the master of none. And that's why, um, that's why people just, you know, it would be difficult for Filipino physical therapists to look into further education because of the, because of the lack of the salary. Just to add to both your your points, actually, it is expensive, and on the other hand, we have this law that was frustrating for a lot of us. But essentially, if you think about it. They're just pushing us to get more post-grad studies and ultimately it's because we're dealing with people and we're helping them get better and we're dealing with, with their with their bodies so it's definitely something to invest in like, i mean doctors have uh, have invested i think 13 years of studying to become that uh, in that level of, of service for society and so i think it's our responsibility to do the same. What do you think, Randall? Uh, Let me just add, in my opinion, that one thing that hinders as well, apart from the salary, is that because of that CPD law, there was an outcry, I remember, when it was passed on. But if you're going to think of it, you don't just have to think about getting that CPD points, eh? You should be also thinking about how you can be of service to your patient. Because these postgraduate courses, well, they actually make you better. Well, actually, there are a lot of postgraduate courses out there right now. And one thing is that these physios actually, well, not all, but some of the physios, 
they should develop this kind of discernment on which courses they should take. Because Trisha said earlier, if you want to be jack of all trades and a master of none, I think that, that there's going to be a problem right there. I'm more of a purist when it comes to the practice. Not uh, in a sense that I only practice this certain technique and all, but I, I'm actually delving on the whole concept of what courses I'm taking in. Uh, it's not just focusing on this single technique and just trying to propagate what, what there is. It's that discernment that they should uh, be actually critical on which courses. Because if you're going to take a course, I'm pretty much uh, sure that you won't be learning from a 100 participant course versus to a 30-person course na the proctor can actually, you know, uh, tututukan niya yung students niya. Well, a more focused group of these postgraduate studies, the participants should be critical on that. Not just, uh, kasi yung ibang Filipinos, I think they're just taking it because it's needed. And the actual goal is to improve your practice for you to be more in service of your patient. Regardless of what amount is, Um, I remember kasi before this was passed on, in my practice, uh, so I remember uh, uh, handling this team and I'm always at a dead end at some point because my knowledge on a certain case is limited and not every patient responds to this certain treatment, right? And then once I, I started taking these postgraduate courses, regardless of the CPD laws, I'm always at the back of my mind, I'm always thinking of, okay, so what can I do to improve my performance as a PT so I can be of service to my patient more than just settling on this response from a patient where I, I don't get better results compared to when I started taking these courses, I get more results. Okay, if I, if I can add to that also, just talking about courses and postgraduate Um, furthering our education. Um, it's interesting because when I, I think I talked to several PTs in different seminars. So the usual question is like, why are you doing this? So when I ask them, of course, to, to have more skills in their belt, um, because definitely there are more ways to kill a fire, you know, rather than just using water, right? So we would want all these skills in our belt to be able to Like what Randall said, sometimes we reach a dead end, so what do you do now? The thing is with, with sports PT experiences, I think you have more liberty to, to be able to treat injuries in, in different ways that you, know, you can explore more techniques to, to help that player or patient. But again, I guess it begs the question on how far we can actually do these things realistically in the sense that since we are still not autonomous, right? And we have all these different courses to choose from. The reality of you not being able to practice as, as freely as you would hope so, given all these newfound knowledge, newfound skills, I think ultimately defeats the incentive or the initiative of the common Filipino PT to actually pursue postgraduate courses because they s submit to the reality that we are just following what 
we're giving, what the, what the doctors are giving, what they're referring to, as opposed to thinking independently in the sense that, you know, we actually stu- studied for five years and many more experiences that follow after, right? So sometimes all of this, I think it, it limits the extent of how um, I think a PT would apply himself or herself to the profession in the sense of, again, one-upping ourselves through further education and at the same time, you know, just having that confidence of treating the patient because I know all these things and now I have the liberty to do what I know to you. But, you know, since the reality is that we can't really do that at the moment here in the Philippines, I think ultimately defeats and limits PT expectations in terms of uh, furthering the skill, furthering experience, furthering education after graduation. But having said all this, you know, being the reality here in the Philippines, Andre, what do you think, um, having all the experiences that you had in the in the U.S.? Yeah, um, one of the, I guess, one of the also differences or the things we see here in this um, this part of the world here in, in, in the U.S. is we have uh, we have specialty practices. So. Um, and, and it gives every PT an opportunity to choose uh, their specialty after graduation, uh, whether that would be in uh, pediatrics or um, sports, you know, or um, orthopedics. And we have uh, residency programs. We have and also have fellowship programs uh, for that. Um, and I think if we, if if the Philippines can, or our PT profession in the Philippines can look into more of the. T- specialty boards and I think there's been a conversation on that uh, up higher in PRC they are in the process of looking at specialty boards um, and that uh, creates the the platform the avenue for for PTs to train you know being in a clinic and seeing different types of patients uh, is uh, you know with neuro beads uh, cardiac you know or acute care or geriatrics and things like that doesn't really help you uh, as Arundel was saying earlier, um, hone in into uh, on, on on that the technical aspect of that uh, that specialty because you you know you treat different types of patients and you're not able to focus on on what your uh, on the types of patients that you want to see based on your uh, based on your specialty. Uh, so we if, if we can if if our profession in the Philippines can can shift towards that. Uh, I think you know. I think the um, the whole atmosphere will change. So, do you have any recommendations in the current state here in the Philippines about the practice on what we can improve on to maybe someday achieve that autonomous practice that that we so uh, seek about? Oh uh, well, I think. Uh, I know the, the really the, the, I think the feedback I, I, I get a lot from uh, you know for, from talking to participants taking our courses is uh, we didn't learn this in school and I think that was the most of the common things we see um, you know we didn't learn this in school so um, it tells I guess it tells me that maybe we need to improve our entry level uh, uh, educational preparedness you know when they start choosing a path. In their career, as far as specialty practice, you know, we, we, you know, you expect them to be having no knowledge at all. But uh, we're also, you know, there to 
you know, to help them uh, look back, think back, and, and apply the the knowledge they they gained from uh, from their undergraduate course in order for their entry level uh, degree, uh, which is BSPT. You know, um, so I think uh, you know we need to elevate our entry level preparedness. One of the things, and, and that that would be the responsibility of our faculty, no man, no, as per school. So you still have top schools up there, you know, um, and. Uh, uh, sadly, I've, I've also, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I see different programs. I'm from the province. I, again, uh, I talk to different faculty members from from um, from different schools, and I think uh, just by looking of like more of an overview, looking at things, a lot of the things don't change. You know, maybe textbooks don't change, or the faculty maybe uh, may not have uh, uh, you know attended post professionally. You know. But the requirement is changing. You know, I think most PT faculty may not have to have a master's degree, correct? So that's a requirement. Yeah, that's true. There are some schools, but in other words, just maybe struggling or maybe budget, budget, budget-wise, they're not able to send their faculty for 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 an advanced degree. But those are things that will need to change if we want to get there. Uh, it starts with entry-level preparedness. You know what schools are teaching TP students, and then you know as uh, and then after school, then uh, we're here. You know um, to bridge the gap, uh, meet the need for education. All right. So yeah, thank you so much, Andre, for this uh, hot topic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can discuss so much. Probably when you get here in the Philippines, we can have that over drinks. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You knew that uh, we had you had a lot of things that you can add to the conversation, and you did. So. Yeah, your points were very insightful. Yeah. Thank you, Trisha. And very neutral. Yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Actually, very neutral, <laughs> very healthy conversation. 